you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. Um, John chapter 4 will be in, and if you um, don't have a physical copy, um, you can get a device. If you've got an app, uh, just pull up the text of John chapter 4, starting at verse 46. So we're continuing um, in our discussion of John, and today's uh, passage really is apropos uh, for the ordination service that we're having today, because it's about um, hearing the word of Christ and then responding appropriately um, and so as we get into this, I want to just kind of summarize the story. I've got less time today, so I'm going to try to summarize the story and then get us right into um, what we're doing. So John chapter 4, verse 46. So in the story here of Jesus healing uh, the son of the Roman officer, we see uh, the word of Christ bring life where there is certain death. So the son is ill, um, he's dying, he's near death, and this desperate father comes to Jesus and he says, uh, he begs him to come down and to heal his son. So Jesus hears the request, and he heals this boy from a distance with a word, doesn't he? When the man is on his way home, his servant meets him and tells him, hey, uh, your son, he's alive. Like he's, he's better. He's gotten better. He's not sick anymore. The fever has left him. And so the man says, well, when did this happen? Um, he, he's wondering, like, how long did it take for this word to kind of travel and to have its effect in the boy? And he said, at the seventh hour. And the man knew it was at that very hour that I was talking to Jesus. And, that, and in that instant when he spoke, when he said, your son will live, he was healed. So what's the point of this story, this dramatic healing? So Jesus obviously heals lots of people in the Gospels. Like We, we see Jesus heal all kinds and sorts of people, lepers, demon-possessed, can't walk, can't see, can't talk, like all kinds of people, can't live, Lazarus. Like we, we've got all kinds of healings, but what is it about this one that is significant. And John, it's, it's, it's worth asking that because the Gospel of John only has four healings. Only four. The others have way more. But the only four here are this one, the boy who's sick, the cripple in the next um, chapter, uh, the blind man in chapter 9, and then Lazarus who's dead in chapter 11. And each of these are selected by John for really specific reasons. And they're meant to show a specific thing about Jesus, a theological point, a personal point about what Jesus is capable of and who he is when they're listed in the gospel narrative. And so look at verse 46. Look at your text at verse 46. It says, he went again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. And then Jesus says halfway down, he says to the man, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's a plural. He's talking to the people in, around him. And then he does the healing, and at the very last verse it says, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come to Judea from Galilee. So there in verse 46, we're supposed to see that this is connected in a way uh, to the, the transformation of the water into wine in chapter 2. And this is another sign, just like that one, that reveals something significant about who Jesus is and what he's capable of. It's not just a magic trick. It's not just some sort of cool thing he did for someone that's forgotten. No, John wants us to see this reveals something really specific and unique about Jesus. And here's what it is on my interpretation. When Jesus, and I think what John gives us plenty of, of evidence as we'll talk about to see, is that when Jesus heals this boy of his sickness, rescuing him from death, John tells us it's a sign of something specific. Today, we will see the word of Christ gives life out of death. The word of Christ gives life out of death. So look at me, or look with me at verse 50. So after the man asked and begged uh, for Jesus to heal his son, Jesus' action was simple. 
He gave him the words. He said, go, your son will live. And what was the response? The man believed what? The word that Jesus spoke to him. The word. Now in Mark's gospel, we see Jesus make mud with his spit and rub it on someone's eyes and tells him to go wash. And he, I mean, there's, there's other stuff where he says, go and wash, and he, and he heals someone and go and, and get clean at the temple. And there's, he lays his hand on people. We know the woman who's bleeding for 12 years touches the hem of Christ's robe. And he feels, it says he feels power go out of him, which is crazy, whatever that felt like, you know. And there's physical touch. So like the touch is not bad. The touch is not um, uh, necessarily lesser than, but it's not necessary for Jesus. It's not the touch itself that has some sort of power. It's Christ himself and his word and his power working that has the power to heal. He only needs to speak and life comes. The boy was ill. Uh, the word for sickness here, for illness, can, can mean weak or incapacitated. Um, but in John's gospel, it's only used for people who are sick. And it's only used a few times. It's used here about this boy. It's used again about the, the man who is crippled, who can't get into the pool. Um, it's used about uh, uh, Lazarus. And in these instances, Jesus, these people who are sick, come and they are healed by Jesus with a word. In each case, Jesus speaks the word. Here, the boy's fever, which has left him almost dead, leaves him immediately at the word of Jesus. In the next story, which we'll cover more in depth next week, Jesus says, stand up. Don't lay there anymore. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. And immediately, the man is healed. Then in chapter 11, when Jesus is sick, he dies. Jesus doesn't come fast enough. And the sisters are not very happy about this. They say, if you would have come earlier, he would still be alive. So Jesus shows up and after some discussion says, Lazarus, come out. He issues a command, come out. And immediately, Jesus or Lazarus is healed. He's brought back from death and he obeys the voice of the Lord, just like the sheep, chapter 10. In every case, the word of Christ is powerful to give life to the dead to those who are near death. John tells us, I love this, it's the sixth hour when he meets with the woman uh, at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember this? It's high noon, sixth hour. The very next story, when does he heal him? The seventh hour. It's the next hour. John does some weird stuff with time, okay? It's not just linear chronological time. This is, he's making symbolic points here. Um, interestingly, during this hour, Christ gives life to the dead because before uh, Pilate, when Jesus is being uh, in, in, uh, interrogated, it says that it's the sixth hour, about noon. And then right after he's interrogated, what's the next thing that happens? He goes to the cross. The assumption here is that at the seventh hour, Jesus is also on the cross. And we know that from the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's between the sixth and the ninth hours of the day that he hung, hangs on the cross. And so at that seventh hour, that symbolic seventh hour, Jesus is dying for the life of the world. In John's narrative symbolism, this seventh hour is an hour of life. Just after noon, when the sun is at its highest, during this hour, Christ gives life to the dead by giving his life for the dead. When the Son of God was crucified in the middle of the day, the sky turned dark and the ground trembled. When the Son of God comes again 
to call for all who belong to him, the night will turn to day. And he will banish the shadow of death by his word. And we will walk out of their graves with great glory and joy. The word of Christ gives life from the dead. So what are we to do with this message? This is the great gospel of the world. This is the greatest story ever told. This is the, the, the proclamation come from God that has come to change everything. What are we to do with it? First, we must hear it, and then we must proclaim it. Because the gospel comes to us as Christ's speech, bringing life, then our first priority is to attentively hear it. We need to attentively hear the word of God and listen to Christ speak. So when the man heard that his son would live, he could have ignored the comment. He could have pleaded with Jesus that, um, that he didn't understand and that he didn't, he didn't know the severity of the situation and that he really needed to come. But no, he listened. He heard Jesus. He heard what he said and he accepted it as true. And he went on his way like Jesus told him. Jesus says in John 10 that his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. So to hear his voice means that you're not hearing other things. Uh, we thought multitasking was possible. It's not actually, the neurologists tell us. It's just quickly shifting your attention between things. Some of us are better at that than others. Um, we can't truly, in the depths of our souls, listen to more than one master. To hear Jesus you can't be listening to other masters. To hear the good news of life from the dead, you can't be hearing other promises of life from the dead from other sources, from the world, from the flesh, from the devil. We have to hear Christ exclusively. You and I, as sheep, must attend, attend pay attention to the voice of Christ and leave behind distractions, leave behind cares, leave behind worries, and make the time in our lives to hear the word of Christ to us so that we can follow him. So if we hear this word of Christ as a church, then we also are a church that proclaims it. When we hear it, we will find life, and then when we proclaim it, we speak it as it has been spoken to us. As the Father sends me, so I send you. So he speaks it to us. We hear it as news, and news is not something that you just keep. News is something that you proclaim and share by, very, by its very nature so that others may find life from the dead. So look, because the gospel message comes to us as news, then it's something to be proclaimed. Think back on, on what Jesus has said. Uh, to, to, man, to the man with the sick uh, boy, he did not say, I can heal your son. He said, go, your son will live. That's different. It wasn't a, a declaration of a pure fact. It had movement. It was kinetic. It was active. The man believed his word. The word was an imperative and a promise. It was not just a fact, but a fact of the future. Right? To the man who's crippled, Jesus does not just say, my word gives life. He says, get up, pick up your mat, don't lay there anymore, walk. Because I can give life, because I can heal, you now have a new future. You now have a new story. And 
by the way, it very quickly spreads. Because this is not just normal news, right? Your destiny is now to have life. And to Lazarus, uh, sorry, Mary and Martha, that your brother is dead. I am the resurrection and the life. Good day. Like, end of story. Uh, this great theological statement from Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. If it stops there, it's just like a, a bland assertion. It's just a statement of fact. It's like maybe bare uh, uh, a proposition. But no, he doesn't just identify himself with a title. He issues a command. He says, Lazarus, come out. When we hear the voice of Christ, the gospel of salvation by the cross of Christ, these are not merely some bare facts about someone in history. This is not merely proposition that we can just say, that's neat. If I came into your home one day and I said, hey, um, you know, knock, 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 hello, like we're watching the U.S. Open or whatever's on, maybe you don't like golf, I don't know, whatever you watch. Hey, there's smoke billowing out of an upstairs bedroom window. Thanks, appreciate it. Have a good day. You know, you shut the door, you go back on the couch. Like, it's unreasonable. The most unreasonable response to their smoke billowing out of the upstairs window at your house is to do nothing. Like, you've, you've made a really strong comment about who you are and how much you care about that house if you do nothing, right? This news is news that implies an action. It's like, excuse me, you're standing on my foot. What that means is, move your foot. Um, excuse me, there is smoke coming out of your window. That means get up and go upstairs and see if something's on fire or call, call the fire department. Maybe don't go upstairs. Maybe you're supposed to leave the house. I don't know, whatever the safe thing is. Ask the fire people, not me. I'm a preacher. So, but you do something. You, you respond to this news in the same way. The gospel says Jesus is the source of life and you are dead. And so come to him so that you might have life. Hear his word so that you may live and then proclaim it to others. So, in conclusion, Josh, a little word to you on your ordination day. I can't think of a better way to meditate on your lifelong vocation. You must be committed unswervingly to proclaiming, to hearing and proclaiming the life-giving message of the gospel. Constantly attend to it. And constantly proclaim it. It's so easy to get interested in so many other things, good things. But there's one thing that's needful. There's no other source of life. And as you've done for so long, continue to do with diligence and singular devotion. Attend to and proclaim the gospel in all of its fullness. And so fellow clergy get to address a bishop and other priests. And Church of the Resurrection. This is for every Christian. Every single one of us. This too is our charge. Imitate the man with the sick son. Imitate him by hearing the gospel. Do not give your allegiance or your attention to anything else above this word. And when you've heard it, you must proclaim it. That's our charge. There's no other option or else we're not hearing it properly. You must not keep silent. You must not let the fear of rejection, of failure, fear of retaliation, fear of a loss, loss of social capital, Anything else keep you from proclaiming this news? Why? Peter says it best. 
Jesus, where else should we go? To whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let us attend to those words and proclaim them to the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.